Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 217 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. I know it's the summertime, but there's still plenty of stuff to bet on when it comes to sports and bet online is your number one source for all of those things head to the website or use your mobile device sign up today and get in on the action remember to use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts with that said episode 217 for the love of the game let's get this work still snoop dog and d-i d-i Guess who's back? Still, still doing that shit, Andre? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Check me out. It's still Dre Day. Uh? AK. Uh? Though I roam the lot, can't keep it home a lot. Cause when I frequent the spots that I'm known to rock, you hear the bass from the truck when I'm on the block. Ladies, they pay homage, but haters say Dre fell off out. My last album was The Chronic. They wanna know if he still got it. They say raps change. They wanna know how I feel about it. Alright, we're back. Episode 217 for the love of the game on the Bleak Podcast Network with yours truly. It's ATH. Back in the saddle, back behind the mic. And the dog days of summer are continuing. We are approaching end of July. Right now we're in the middle of July. And I'm not going to talk about the Yankees because they stink. I'm not going to acknowledge the Shohei Otani trade rumors because I don't care. I don't care. I just want this season to end. But we're going to do something on this show that we haven't done in a while. And that's talk a little tennis because Sunday morning, was the men's final of Wimbledon, where Carlos Alcaraz, at 20 years old, defeated Novak Djokovic, 23-time major winner Novak Djokovic, a guy who hasn't lost at Wimbledon in 10 years, and Carlos Alcaraz took him down in five sets. Uh, 1-6, 7-6, 6-4, 3-6, 6-4, an absolutely thrilling match. Incredible theater, absolutely incredible theater. I was at the edge of my seat the entire time, and it was perfect because Sunday in New York, the weather was crappy basically all day, and this tennis match hit the spot in terms of TV viewing. You were inside anyway, close to a five-hour match. It was awesome. The shot-making in this match by both guys was off the charts, just so beyond off the charts and astounding, crazy. I There was one running forehand, I think it was in the fourth or fifth set that Alcaraz hit, running forehand, jumping, the, the velocity he hit that forehand with must have been 100 miles per hour. Flat, on a line, just an absolute missile, an absolute missile, and it, it kind of just encapsulated the entire match. I mean, the return of serve by both guys were tremendous. You saw some of the best returns you've ever seen. It was just incredible tennis to watch. And Carlos Alcaraz is 20 years old. Yeah, this is his second major title, but last year's U.S. Open felt a little different because Novak wasn't allowed to play because of the COVID vaccine rules, which were bullshit, but whatever. 
And now he kind of got his shot at Novak after playing in the semis at the French, where Alcaraz had to leave with an injury. Didn't really get a, a full grasp of, of what a match between the two guys could be. And let me tell you, this did not disappoint. Alcaraz winning this match at 20 years old kind of reminded me of when a young 19-year-old Roger Federer defeated Pete Sampras at Wimbledon in 2001. Now, again, I understand that match, which won five sets, was a fourth-round match. It wasn't a championship match, but it kind of had the same kind of vibe because Sampras was coming off winning four straight Wimbledons and was still incredible. And a young upstart took him down, who was an overwhelming underdog at the time. Yeah, Alcaraz wasn't a huge underdog. He was plus 170 to win the match. And by the way, I bet on Alcaraz to win the match. And after that first set, when Novak Djokovic played about as surgically perfect a set as you can play, and Alcaraz got whooped 6-1 in that set, I wasn't feeling great. But anyway, yeah, it, it, it's kind of that same vibe where the young upstart is here. He's arrived now again. Federer wouldn't win Wimbledon for another two years, but you saw what was coming, right? And it's kind of the same thing here with with Alcaraz because he, he's not ready to go on his prime run yet. He, he's not polished enough. And, and again, he's only 20 years old, just like Federer was not ready to go on a prime run winning run in 2001 but the the older veteran the older all-time great who still has plenty left in the tank losing to the young upstart it, it seems like some type of passing the torch and again novak played incredible yeah his backhand faltered a little bit midway through the second set and had a couple of uncharacteristic unforced errors for him on the backhand side but 95 out of 100 times if he plays that way he wins just an absolutely incredible incredible match it was a great tournament i mean before this alcaraz was ultra impressive against daniel medvedev absolutely walloped him in three sets and again medvedev is a former grand slam champion too I'm so excited to see what Alcaraz can become. Uh, he's like a prodigy. It, he's got the athleticism. He's got every shot in the book. I mean, Novak, after the match, said he's basically a combination of him, Federer, and Nadal. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But for everybody who's saying it's now Alcaraz's time, like that he will now rule the men's tour, Novak's not going anywhere, all right? If you watch that match again, he's still at 36, moves incredibly. His court coverage is insane. The way he turns offense into defense is, is ridiculous. Still, at 36, and again, with modern-day training, 36 isn't, you know, the same as a 36-year-old athlete 20 years ago. It's not the same. I mean, Federer was still a threat at 36, just, it was unbelievable theater. I, I'm so excited for the U.S. Open. Hopefully, I'm going to get to go to one or, or two sessions. It's going to be great. Novak should be there. Alcaraz should be there. It should be awesome. But kudos to Carlos Alcaraz for putting on a show 
on a Sunday morning where I desperately needed something to watch because the weather was terrible and I wasn't going anywhere. Anyway, one last thing before we get into tonight's guest. It's going to be a recurring guest because we have to talk about some football news that came out, especially regarding the New York Giants. Joel Embiid made a statement. Now, I know everybody is in off-season mode right now for the NBA who's waiting on a Damian Lillard trade, which I still think is going to happen to the Miami Heat one way or the other. We're waiting on James Harden if he gets moved or what's going to happen there, which is probably nothing. But Joel Embiid made a statement saying that he all he wants to do is win a title. And again, I'm paraphrasing. All he wants to do is win a title, whether it's in Philadelphia or anywhere else. This makes news because Joel Embiid is one of the five best players in the NBA. And Zach Lowe has been reporting this. Other people have been reporting this. If you kind of see the way the league is going and read between the lines, you can tell that guys of Joel Embiid's stature, once they sort of hit a wall with a franchise and with the Philadelphia 76ers, that wall seems to be the second round of the playoffs that guys basically ask out. And Joel Embiid has two years left on his contract with an option. So he's getting to that point. And as Zach Lowe said on multiple podcasts with the James Harden saga, is he going to be traded? Is he not going to be traded? Is it good for Philadelphia to trade him because James Harden's a loser? Whatever, we're not going to go down that road. But the most important piece to all of this Philadelphia Sixers talk and the James Harden asking out saga isn't even James Harden. It's Joel Embiid and how that affects him going forward. And he's had a lot of crap go on in his tenure with the Philadelphia 76ers. Everything with Ben Simmons, the process, the latest James Harden flameouts. I mean, he's been through a lot of upheaval, a lot of crap. And depending on how this Harden thing goes, does he have the stomach for more of it? I know he loves the city. I know the city loves him, but at a certain point, he may get tired of banging his head against the wall and ask out. And quite honestly, he'd be in the right to do so. It's not crazy. Then obviously you think about the suitors, the potential suitors for Joel Embiid, and the New York Knicks come up because they have tons of assets, they have picks, they've got movable contracts. If you're going towards Daryl Morey needs to get a star back for guys, Julius Randle's made two All-NBA teams and is a movable number. And Nick fans dare to dream. Dare to dream. I've said this multiple times and I'll say it again. Joel Embiid moving would be like Shaquille O'Neal moving to the Lakers from the Orlando Magic. If you go back and you see what they said about Shaq in the mid-90s to late-90s, is a lot of the same criticisms been said about Joel Embiid in terms of the pl- playoff flameouts, in terms of not necessarily taking the offseason seriously. A lot of the same things were said, and then Shaq ended up winning titles. Yes, I know what the playoff numbers say for Joel Embiid. I know what the assist-to-turnover ratio says. I know what the true shooting percentage says. I know if there have been some clunkers. I also know what his plus-minus is when he's on the court in the playoffs versus when he's off the court. And then that number is tremendously high. 
And for Nick fans who are saying, well, he's he's 30, he's had some injury history. First of all, Joel Embiid, for the most part, since his first three seasons, has played a lot of basketball, especially for a guy his size. So the injury concerns I'm not as concerned about. It's a, it's a risk given his age and, and all this. Nick fans need to stop, okay? You need to stop. Do you want to run this current iteration back? Is this tickling your fancy? Is this going to quench your thirst for a title? No. The answer is no. As I've said multiple times, the roster is in prime position for a consolidation trade. Will it ever be perfect? A perfect scenario? Will any trade candidate be perfect? No, because the fan base is always going to poke holes at everything. But you know what I do know? That even with his flaws, Joel Embiid won the MVP last year. And again, a top five player by any metric in the NBA right now. That's the kind of guy you go all in on. And again, I'm not saying anything's imminent. But if it were to be, Nick fans need to stop complaining and saying it's too much to give up. Like, get out of my face. The entire roster is expendable except for Jalen Brunson. That's the reality. And for those who are, who are saying it's a risk, okay, it's a risk. Well, guess what? I'm willing to live with the results if you bring in a guy who's won MVP, who's in the prime of his career, and is one of the top five players in the game. No price is too much for that. So Nick fans on Twitter, stop complaining about something that A, isn't really imminent, and B, like, who do you want? Who do you want? You want Giannis? Great. Okay, he's not going anywhere, most likely. You want Jokic? He's not going anywhere. You want Steph Curry? He's not going anywhere. Besides for those three guys, who do you want? If the Knicks can go, uh, if the Knicks can go get Joel Embiid, you go get Joel Embiid and see how the chips fall. Anyway, with that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk a little bit about news happening with the New York Giants. We're going to get to him in just a matter of moments. So it's a little early. Normally we uh, do our football shows a little closer to the start of the season, but Saquon Barkley and the Giants failed to reach a deal. Saquon is under the franchise tag. He does not want to play under the franchise tag, so I needed to talk about it with none other than Shy Elberger. Shy, what's good, bud? How you doing? I knew you were going to contact me to talk about this topic. Uh, I'm ready to say my piece, and we're doing good. It's you know, I know you know you're lamenting no sport, no uh, good sports on for like the last two months, uh, but we're we're under a month from the Hall of Fame game. It, within two months, we'll already be past week one, so we're getting there. So, you have you have already turned down a request to join a fantasy league with me. That was very <laughs> nice of you. I didn't really appreciate that, but maybe I'll be able to rope you in. But, yeah, we got to talk about the Saquon thing. So we kind of saw this coming. Um, I, there was a small part of me that thought they were going to get a deal done by Monday's deadline. Was there any part of you who thought that was going to get a deal done? Yes, I would say going into the last week, the last couple of days, the last day on Monday, I would have given it like a 30% chance that it would happen. Um, 
Obviously, that means I'm not surprised that it didn't. And we'll talk about, you know, what I think about in general, you know, giving him a contract or not. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in the camp of fans right now that's like very upset that it did not happen. Like I know there are a lot of people that are, you know, fans that are mad at the Giants or, you know, not that I care about other players, but like everyone seems to be mad that the Giants didn't pay him more. Well, it seems like the Giants are just doing what's good business, right? Like, that's what they're doing. They're just doing good business. But there isn't a small part of you who's kind of like, in any business, you want to treat your top employees well. I know running back is what it is now in the NFL. It's not the premier position it used to be uh, like it was in the 90s. But let's face it, he's probably the best player on the team, right? So... Is there not like a small part of you is just like, why are you alienating the best player on the team over $3 million? So I don't discount the value that that has of like, you don't want your best player, your captain, your most popular player in the locker room and to the fan base to now just like be not happy with the contract situation. I wonder... Anytime he gets, you know, has a bad game, is it, you know, Saquon's just not trying his hardest because he's trying to preserve his body? Is he not going to lower his shoulder? Is he moping around the locker room? I get that that all matters. What I'll say is my opinion is, like, even the franchise tag of $10 million is probably more than Joe Shane wants to pay a running back. And anything above that was him being – amenable to kind of meeting Saquon halfway or expanding his range of what he wants to pay a running back. And the fact that he even got up to around 20 million guaranteed. Yeah. Like it's like, yes, at that point, if there's only a couple million, like just figure out a way. But I also think like his range or his desired max may be 13 million. And he went up to 20 million and, you know, Saquon saying no to that. You know, at some point you have to draw the line. And yeah, like it's good business. Like the, the rules are set up, unfair or fair. Right. That you can franchise tag and it goes based on a formula. And, you know, if we're, we're at a time in the in the life cycle of football where running backs are have the lowest franchise tag number of any position behind kicker and punter, like as Saquon said, it is what it is. The Giants are entitled to tag you for $10 million. They went up to 20. He'll give you two years of, of locked-in security. He wanted more than that. Or he wanted more per year or whatever it was. He, he chose not to sign that. Um, so, you know, I don't – yeah, I would have been happier if we saw Monday, you know, 3 o'clock, the Giants signed Saquon to three years, $42 million and 25 guaranteed but I have been like, oh, what an overpay. No. Having said that, I also acknowledge, and we all know, like paying a running back a lot of money is not generally good business. It is harder to build a better team when you're paying your running back a lot of money. So the fact that they have them for one year and 10 million, obviously that's less than you know whatever it would have been. If he gets injured this year, if he has a bad year, like yeah, I, I think this is Saquon's last year on the Giants. I think the writing is on the wall now. So I'll be sad next offseason probably. Really? Um, you, you you think this is it? You think that I like – I think this is the beginning of the end. 
think this is the beginning of the end. Because they're not going to – I mean, I don't think they're going to tag him next year, a year older, a year – let's say he has a good season. Let's say he has 1,700 total yards and 12 touchdowns, right? Great season. That also means he probably had another 320 touches and another full year of touches of wear and tear. Now they're going to go around and tag him for $12 million, pay more after he was just so upset this past year and held out summer. You're going to do that whole thing again. Um, and I certainly don't see them next offseason signing him to like a three-year four. Like, otherwise, they would have just done that this year. Like they're not going to do that with another year of, of mileage, so I do think so. This you, is so you're to, you're totally out on the possibility of them getting a deal done before preseason starts. No, they, there's that's not allowed. This, okay. That was the deadline. It was literally a long term deal by Monday, or it's the franchise tag or nothing. Gotcha. So when when can you reopen negotiations? When. The league, league year starts, which is like March third or something. Like this is it for the next. Right. Okay. So I didn't. Re- okay. So I didn't realize that was like the. That was the death. That's that why was- people thought like they weren't closed for two months, for two weeks, for six weeks. But I was like, the deadline is now here. Like it's now or never. Same mm-hmm. time you, you held out, you know, till the end. But now here's your twenty-two million. It's two years of franchise tag locked in. You know, this is it. How much of this do you have? Do you think is tied to the Daniel Jones contract? Like, I mean, logically, let's say Daniel Jones was making twenty million dollars the next two years. Would they have gone up to twenty, you know, four million for Saquon? I mean, yeah, you have a ton more space. Yes. Now, I will say. No, that wasn't on the table. The other option was to franchise tag Jones, pay him thirty-two million. His cap hit this year is instead like in the in the teens. So they do that. They don't sign you no know, Bobby Okereke. They can't afford Darren Waller. They can't afford you know Ashawn Robinson. Right. So you know that deal was good. Was fine for the Giants. It's it's you know we know again it goes back to the running backs like. It's hard to build a team around the highly paid running back. There's a lot of good teams with highly paid quarterbacks. Yeah, it's it's just I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy considering they took the guy number two overall, which a lot of people didn't yeah, like. This is all Dave Gettleman's fault. Right, but but I defended it because the alternative would have been Sam Darnold, and they would have whiffed, and that would have set them back a little bit longer. But whatever, we we don't have to relitigate that again. Like they weren't trading back for Quentin Nelson. Like remember, that wasn't on that wasn't in the cards. So I don't know. I I, I would have liked them to have gotten a deal done because yeah. I agree with you in a sense that a year older the possibility of a long-term deal is less. Right. Well, now that's like people try to go through all the arguments. Like, let's say he's like semi-injured this year. He's not going to push through. He's going to tell, you know, Dable he's injured. He can't play. So he thinks hitting free agency off a season where he plays 12 games and misses because of injury, he's now going to get paid a lot of money. Like he has to have a great season to cash in in free agency. But having a great season entails another year of a, 24 carries a game, you know, 20 carries a game, four catches a game, a lot more wear and tear. So it's it's kind of a catch-22. It's not a great situation. The one thing I'll say about his agents, 
And, you know, obviously I wasn't in any of the negotiations, just hypothesis is we know he turned down a deal in the middle of the season for around 13 million a year. We don't know what the guarantees were. Let's say it was like 16 million. Which is all that matters, by the way. Right. 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 So I feel like his agents thought that the Giants would end up having to tag Jones and that Saquon would become a free agent. I think if they knew that the tag would be available for Saquon, they may have been have a different decision. What do you think the Dalvin Cook situation, the fact that he's you know still 28, still really good, but he's out there, right? And it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of bites at you know top running back money. Um, what do you think that has to be affecting Saquon's decision um, and his psyche? Yeah, I I think you know you would say you know I'm better than Dalvin Cook, but yeah, I mean you would also think like he's looking which he is by the way, which he is. Yeah, he is. Lenny Fournette's unsigned. But different story. Ezekiel Elliott, different story. Dalvin Cook's on the side. You know, Miles Sanders got the most money for agency. He got $6 million a year. Um, under what his guarantees was. Miles Sanders. $13 million guarantee. So Miles Sanders got the biggest contract in free agency for running back. Four years, $25 million. That's $6 million a year, and it was 13 guaranteed. Saquon wants, and obviously Saquon is a lot better than Miles Sanders. Right. We're just talking about a free agent running back. He thinks he would get twice as much per year and guaranteed as the next highest running back. I just don't see that happening. And he has an injury history. Like, he was healthy last year, but we think he played through injury in the middle of the year. And he has the history towards ACL. Yeah. Like, Peak, honestly, if he didn't get injured next year and played two years in a row every game, wouldn't that be pretty surprising? To me, it would be. I just feel like he's such a physical freak that that he's kind of different. Until, um, you know, it, it, you could be a physical freak and a 300-pound lineman falls on your ankle. Yeah, no, of, of course. Um, so let me ask you this. How, how do you think this unfolds, right? Because you just – you laid out the catch-22. The number wasn't there. And and looking at the running back position, you know, Josh Jacobs still doesn't have a deal. Dalvin Cook, we just talked about, like, maybe the franchise tag is is the best he's going to get. And then if he's wanting to, you know, prove himself again on a deal, he's going to have to, you know, go out and perform. So it's not like he can pull a levy on Bell. But he kind of mentioned pulling a levy on Bell to prove a point. So how do you think this this whole thing um this whole thing unfolds? So first of all, I wanna I I, I wanna correct a levy on Bell, Miss Nomar, that I feel like is going around, which is he sat out after he got the franchise tag for the second year in a row. He played the first year on the franchise tag. And actually right, had, but my point was that he decided to miss a whole season to prove a point. Yeah, so I'm just saying if people compare that to right. Saquon, like he played the year and he actually had 1,900 yards and 11 touchdowns. Like he had a great season. Um, yeah, and then he sat out the year. Whatever contract the Steelers were offering him, I don't remember at the time, but I think it was like pretty sizable, more than the Giants offered Saquon. He declined it. They tagged him. He sat out the year. And then he did end up getting from the Jets $27 million guaranteed. 
Now, we saw that that contract was horrible, and it was you know, a disaster. The Jets, and I think teams would be more wise now to not do that. Um, I see this playing out. I think pretty predictably. I think there's a zero percent chance he misses getting to do a whole. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's at all likely. I think he reports to the Giants, you know, Labor Day weekend, the week before week one, and he's probably, and I don't want to say, like, limited, but I don't see him just coming in and getting full workloads, you know, week one after he's been there for six days. So I think they, you know, bring him in. He's you know, not happy, but he says, you know, this is a business. I understand. I love my teammates. I'm going to play for my you know, teammates and coaches. He'll say what he's going to say. He's because at the end of the day, we know Saquon is like, he's a good guy. He's not, he's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not, you know, getting high before games. He's right. working out like crazy this summer. We see the videos he posts. He's going to come back and help and help play. He's not going to miss games. He's not going to start forfeiting 600K a week to sit out, you know, while his friends are playing without him. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I just, I just wished it better for him only because i guess i like him i mean yeah. that, that, I, and i understand the business but i just you know I, I just i like the guy and i think the guy is the best player in his position when he's right the other point is you know people i've also said like you know he wanted to be a giant for life and he wanted a long-term deal in my opinion any contract that they would have signed him to essentially would have been a two-year deal you know he's not he wouldn't be getting guarantees through year three and so I think even if they had signed him to a three, four-year contract with $25 million guaranteed, probably all paid out, you know, the first two years or whatever, I don't think – I think they would have cut him, you know, in two years anyway, or if it was just a two-year deal. Like, I honestly didn't see him being here longer than two years anyway more. And so now he'll be here for one more year. I do think this is the last year. But it wasn't like, you know, it was like Odell. Like Odell, I thought, was going to be a giant literally for their, his whole time like the next 10 years. I don't, I didn't see that with Saquon anyway. So now that he's probably going to report at, you know, Labor Day, how does this affect the team going forward? Um, You know, we'll we'll obviously do a a Giants preview, a longer preview, but he was their best player last year. So I'm kind of a little nervous about the prospects of the Giants this season because, I did like their offseason in general. Um, I, I do think the Darren Waller thing has tremendous upside. Um, but it, it doesn't work if he's not there. Because we saw what happened when he missed games last year, and it wasn't pretty. So, I mean, I he, first of all, he's going to play. That's all. Again, it's not like the Giants cut him yesterday. That's not what happened. He's just only going to be here for this season for sure. Like, no guarantee past that. So, like, I, that's, I don't, the conver- like, the conversation of what's going to happen because, you know, they're not going to be good without it. That doesn't apply to this year. Secondly, no, if, if there's ramp up time at the beginning of the year, yeah, then so, it's going to be ugly at the beginning of the year. So, I don't necessarily agree with that. We saw when he missed games, you know, with his torn ACL, like, Wayne Gallman, who the Giants then cut and never played anywhere else because that's how you know, very average he was, was totally fine. You know, he averaged like 4.4 yards per carry. He had some big games. He's not Saquon, 
But I don't think, like, Saquon having only 13 touches for the first few weeks of the season make a material difference. And we also forget, like, he carried the Giants maybe in the beginning of last year. But the last, like, seven games, it was more on Jones than Saquon. And, the, and they were better, even though the record wasn't as good. They had a harder schedule. But, like, look at the Vikings playoff game, the Colts game at the end of the season. Saquon had, like, 12 carries in each game. Now, they was good with those carries. Uh, like he was also Vikings. good in the passing game. He was a monster against Minnesota in that playoff game. Yeah, but he had and, – and the Giants were in the lead for most of it. He still had 12 or 13 carries. Jones had, like – Great, his best game of his career, thirty attempts. I don't think the John, I don't think Dable and Kafka want the offense to be centered around the running back, and so I think they inherited Saquon. That's great. They inherited this position where they could tag him again for ten million. Perfect. They would never have drafted him, and they're not going to pay him more than they want to pay him, just because Gettleman drafted this guy number two. You know, he, Kafka from the Chiefs never had haven't had a highly paid running back. Dable from the right. Bills didn't have a highly paid running back. That's just not how they want to build their team. Yeah, they had Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. It's a little yeah, bit different. So, and, and, and Daniel Jones. It is different. You're right. But the point is, they come from systems that don't need the running back to be getting 25 carries. Yeah. No, I, I understand. It's just uh, I agree. I'm, I'm really excited for Waller, as you said. I just, I really hope he stays healthy because he hasn't in two years. But I, I do think if he is healthy, he's not Travis Kelsey, and there's no Patrick Mahomes, as you said. But I can. He's very good. I can envision an offense where he is the centerpiece, like Kelsey is for the Chiefs. Let me ask you this. We'll, we'll let you go on this one because I don't want to do too much Giants because we're going to obviously do a closer to the season. But the Netflix show, Quarterbacks, you've started to, uh, you know, jump in a little bit. You've watched a couple of the episodes. What's your big takeaway so far? So I've watched the first three episodes. I was pretty underwhelmed with the first episode. And then I saw some negative review tweets from people I follow on Twitter. Um, I fell asleep during the first episode. I thought it was next level. I thought it was bad. Then I watched the next two and I thought they were definitely better. And then I looked on Twitter and saw other people saying similarly that the first episode was definitely the worst episode. So I, I plan to keep watching it. Um, I think it's funny. I give you like shit about Kirk Cousins. Like I do think he's underrated, but I also don't want like I don't wouldn't trust him to bring my team. I was just about to say my big takeaway because I finished it. I don't want to spoil it too much. I mean, you know what happens because you know how the NFL season plays out. But your guy, Kirk Cousins, is the big winner. Because first of all, he comes off as just such a likable guy. Like yeah, just I, I think nice, he is like a regular guy who just is big and is good at throwing the football. Is a nice, nice dude. Also, like he comes off as like a little bit better than I give him credit for in terms of being like a good player and a good quarterback. But I would never ever bet him in a big game ever. Right. Ever. It's but he's he's incredibly likable. 
I, I don't know what this Marcus Mariota situation is. I mean, like, why'd yeah. they choose him? They couldn't get anybody better? Or is it just like they were going in tears that Patrick Mahomes is obviously I don't the best. know why. So they got somebody who's kind of like good-ish in Kirk Cousins and then a guy who's like a borderline starter and he's really not because he stinks. So it was kind of like the full gambit. I, I don't know what they were thinking there. But also, Mahomes is a freak. Oh, yeah. His, his training regimen and everything. He's he's just an absolute freak, and he's and he's tough as tough as nails, man. Like he's so now, tough. Like you'll see it throughout the the end of the um, you know, the later episodes, just how ridiculously tough that guy is. But his voice is so his ridiculous, is, is and his one. wife is annoying as sin. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it would be a Jackson Mahomes redemption tour. You know what? He did not get a lot of screen time. Sure, he didn't. Or they cut it out. After. Yeah, they probably cut it out for for good reason. But um, the, the what was I going to say about quarterback? Well, oh, the other question, like well, also one thing I thought was just why release this in July? Like we're already five months removed from last season, and we're like two weeks away from training camp for this season. Give this to us in like March. February, late February. No, Shy, because because NBA season still is captive enough right now. Nothing, and especially if like you're a Yankees fan, because the Yankees stink. This was perfect. I, I forgot last season already. I'm on, I'm on, as Belichick says, I'm on to 2020. On to the couple of weeks too. We're gonna have you on a lot, right? We, we're gonna have to do some fantasy. We're gonna have to do preview. You're gonna have to get your camera. Uh, adjusted so you, there you go. Oh, now, no, no, now the tint is back because what? you know what these happened? video clips we're, we're starting to ramp up this social media thing. So there's gonna be some oh, TikToks, no. there's gonna be some Instagram shorts. So yeah, we're gonna talk some NFL because uh, you know, the the season's coming soon. I mean, the end of July, and then uh, before you know it, it's uh, it's go time. I'm excited. I'm not as excited, but uh, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Shy, it's good to talk to you, bud. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for doing it. Thanks again to recurring guest Shy Elberger for coming on to talk a little Saquon Barkley and the situation with the Giants. Shy is going to be a very prominent guest going forward as football season gets closer. That's episode 217 for the love of the game. Take us out to train soon. Across the world. Still hitting them counters and them lolos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the DRA. I'm representing for them gangsters all across the world. Still hitting them counters and them lolos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the DRA. I'm representing for them gangsters all across the world. Still hitting them counters and them lolos, girl. Still taking my time to perfect the beat. And I still got love for the streets. It's the DRA. Like that? Right back up in you. Nine, five plus four pennies. Add that shit up. DRE, right back up on top of things. Smoke some with your dog. No stress, no seeds, no stems, no sticks. Some of that real sticky, icky, icky. Ooh, wait. Put it in the air. 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 Boy, use a fool, DR.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.